stopped recording, started recording, stopped recording, started recording, disconnected, connected. I started recording. I stopped recording. Disconnected. <laughs> well, now it's working, so I don't know what was happening there, but my computer was like, I need a hard reset. <laughs> I need you to go through jumps and hurdles. I need you to just check on your turnips. Yeah. <laughs> my computer said, take a break, honey. You've done so much today. Go catch some shooting stars. Yes. <laughs> Where do I sign up? All right, everyone. My name is Brendan Patrick. You got Sophie G here, and you're listening to the Super Lip Podcast. Connected, disconnected, connected, disconnected. <laughs> I was like, is she going to do intro music or nah? <laughs> I guess nah. Remembering bits that I'm supposed to commit to, I'm terrible. <laughs> it's because you have to remember it now that you're not doing it. <laughs> exactly. But uh, the Superlit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. And uh, today we are talking about All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. Yay! Do you have the physical book or did you, do you, did you do an audiobook? Is there a comic book? with Which version of it? Okay, you have the real one. I can't believe this is how many books in a row that you've read. Like actual I know. books. <laughs> Physical books. I'm reading words and they're going into my head and I haven't forgotten how to read, shockingly. It's very strange how um, you can read even though you've told me multiple times you can't. I really thought I had forgotten how to read because <laughs> I just have spent so many years only <laughs> listening to audiobooks. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I can still read. Well, it's I, I'm proud of you. I... I I would like to think that George is proud of you. Um, I think we're all just like really rooting for you. Thanks guys. (laughs) So this is a memoir manifesto. Uh, So this is all about George Matthew Johnson's life. And um, do you want to read the inner sleeve? Should I do it? I feel like if we want to stutter, I can do it. If we want to also stutter, I can do it. You did, you did uh, the one book with absolutely no issue before. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> We're FaceTiming each other and doing this so I can pick up on Sophie's nonverbal cues. Yeah, finally. It's not just dead air. Because <laughs> uh, it just makes me feel like I'm not funny, which I'm sure isn't what it is. It's not no, that I'm it's not just funny. that I forget to hit the button when I record. <laughs> you forget. Please clap. <laughs> It's very that. Please clap. All right. So on the inner book sleeve, in his groundbreaking young young adult memoir, prominent writer and LGBTQIA plus activist George M. Johnson shares both glorious and gut-wrenching memories of growing up black and queer in America. From Gelling, 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 Michelle Gelling, from getting bullied at age five to visiting flea markets with his loving grand market, to visiting flea markets with his loving grandmother, to the thrilling frontiers of first relationships, Johnson's early life is a profound tapestry of everyday experiences, 
As a rising star in cultural criticism, Johnson turns his passion for exploring intersectional identities to his own life by weaving questions of gender, masculinity, brotherhood, family, and black joy throughout his stories. Posing the same questions to the reader, he invites us to consider what social influences has gov- have governed our own lives. Most central to Johnson's journey is how to reconcile his blackness and his queerness, identities that are sometimes at odd in his story. The answer is a reassuring testimony for queer men of color. They are equal parts to a whole and perfectly designed person. The bravery with which Johnson shares his story is breathtaking. All Boys Aren't Blue establishes his legacy as an essential voice among young adults for generations to come. Wow, remember when I said I was going to stutter through that? Good job, sweetie. You're going to do the next one. Okay. (laughs) But uh, I have written notes, and they stop at a certain chapter because I couldn't handle taking any more notes after that. Um. Do you do you have any specific notes do you want to go off of or like do you I feel I we haven't read a lot of memoirs on this channel before I find them very hard to like I don't want to say critique cuz it's not that we're here to critique them I just find them hard to talk about sometimes Yeah it's a lot it's not um I can't dissect the plot points of an actual human's <laughs> life I hope you aren't. No, I'm not. That's what I'm. That's usually what I go for. Is like, well, let me be really analytical and talk about like the plot arc of this character. I'm like, no, this is this human. This is how he. This is his life that he lives. Human. Um. Yeah, I would like us to talk about Nanny the entire time. Period. That's it. Um. Can we talk about? Yeah. Um, I I forgot his cousin's name. Um. Who transitioned? Hope. Hope, yes. I almost said Joy. That's wrong. I was just thinking of like a, a light, fun name. <laughs> a light, fun name. Yeah. Um, hope. Love Hope. Yes. <laughs> and that's on a period. <laughs> and that, that truly is on a period. The, so the thing I did want to start off with, um, there is an author's note. And I feel like Obviously, for someone who is going to read this book, I think it's important to read that um, because it sets up the specific tone of the book. Um, and uh, it's not like it's like a trigger warning section, but it it does say like, hey, certain verbiage and words are going to be used in this book. And it's, uh, it's done in a specific way uh, with certain words. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was, uh, it was good to include that because it includes words that like I react to, um, that I think, you know, other people can react to as well. Um, but I, I like that the, like literally the first paragraph is like, this is, uh, for this book, it meant that going places and discussing some subjects that are often kept away from teens for fear of them being too heavy. Um, I think I, I like that that stuff is included in this book. I I think, especially for YA books, I guess this is like a a weird way to say this is like a YA memoir. No, but I think he describes it as that in the back of the book as well. Yeah, because I, I, I guess I haven't ever thought of like memoirs being put into specific sections of like literature other than it being like a memoir. Yeah. But I can think of, like, specific books off the top of my head that are, like, fictional but have, like, the same heavy subjects. 
So I guess it's weird that we have that, but we don't have memoirs. That's true. I mean, they definitely exist, but they aren't something that's like, there's, it's not something that I remember like vividly reading until I was like in high school, like specifically a memoir outside of something that was like historical, like a, an important historical figure or something like that. Yeah. Cause I can see those being like, uh, put into different sections of reading, like based on like someone's reading level. But I, I think that this is like an important, like right off the bat, like an important book for young people to read, especially if they are uh, looking to see like themselves and seeing that like, Oh, a person like me can like be successful and flourish. Um, I think that's why like for me reading this book, I was like, Oh, I can imagine because a lot of the things that are like being described because a lot of it is like the early nineties slash like two thousands I'm reading it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this. I remember also wanting cowboy boots. <laughs> I remember wanting really cool sneakers. Yeah. Literally. Um, I told my mom about the cowboy boots section and she goes, you liked cowboy boots too. And I'm like, I still do. And then she told me about a day that I ran away. I asked to stay home from school. Because both my mom and I weren't feeling well. And then I had decided that she didn't realize to go to school. And this was when I was in like middle, like, uh, I guess first grade, maybe kindergarten. I went to kindergarten. It was kindergarten. I went to kindergarten. I dressed myself and I had bright green, um, fireman boots on. And that is, I guess where the boots started with that pair. That's where it all started. It all began with the the bright green uh, fireman's boots. I'm basically that little micro pig in a pair of rain boots. Um, micro pigs aren't real, but I know what picture you're talking about. <laughs> whatever, whatever kind of baby pig it was. That's why it was a baby. Micro pigs don't exist. No, they don't exist. Are you sure about that? Yes, I'm absolutely sure. Micro pigs don't exist. People adopt baby pigs and then they think they're going to stay small and then they get big and they don't know what to do with them and then they abandon them. It's very important that people know that micro pigs don't exist. I'm derailing this conversation to talk about how people should take care of pigs because they're very important. Well, that's like people who adopt puppies thinking they're going to stay a puppy knowing that they're not going to, but thinking that they will because they think that this puppy will be different than all the other puppies. No. Or people no. that adopt rabbits around Easter time and then realize it's a 10-year commitment. Why did I think it was a shorter commitment, like seven? I know that's not like a really big difference. But <laughs> I like, mean, like seven to 15 years. It's like the same oh, as a so dog. Like a cat. <laughs> the same as any domesticated animal. Truly. Um, okay, back to the book. Because I'm so sorry. We can cut all that out. You no, know, it's my fault because I was like, oh, me too, rain boots. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I think that the the first note that I had is page two is really astounding, talking about gender right off the gate, uh, right out of the gate, in such a beautiful way. I love the author's feelings on gender. Yes. A lot of the beginning portion of the book, I guess, is... I, I don't... So, he gets called Matthew for the majority of like his young years until a certain time. So I'm like, do I call you George or do I call you Matthew? I know... Your book title says, like, the name on the book says George M. Johnson. But I also called an author the other day by what it said on their book. And they were like, well, actually, please don't. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? Stop what it. What do I call you? Skinny Lang Jenks is my pen name. <laughs> don't call me that to my face. Yeah, no. Don't ever call me Skinny Lang Jenkins. <laughs> 
Um, don't know. Don't that's ever gonna call be Jimmy, my pen name. Jimmy if I ever Patterson, write a... Jimmy Patterson. And Jimmy Patterson. Oh no, he's writing more books. Where did you? So not. We're we're off the rails already again. I took. I literally bought vitamins that are supposed to. I sound like I'm taking drugs. Vitamins that are meant to make you concentrate more. They're probably not. <laughs> and where did you buy them from? Target. Some dude in the alley. Oh, okay. No, I don't. Not for that. <laughs> Hanging up. Uh, bye. This book wound up on our TBR. I'm happy about it. <laughs> Sophie is not. <laughs> no, I like, I, as much as I like reading the like fun light books, I do really enjoy reading memoirs and stuff that kind of is hard to read sometimes. Okay. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like, the all of the stuff that he talks about when he's younger is a lot more accessible for me personally because it is so much more about him talking about his like understanding his starting to understand what gender is because when you're like younger you live in this like really nice space of like everyone's kind of the same and like yeah maybe like girls are given dolls and like boys are given like trucks or whatever dumb shit but like it's fine. So him talking about like him, himself starting to notice like the difference between him and other boys, like specifically when he was like younger, when he was like in middle school, he talks about being really, really just wanting to play double Dutch with like all the girls in the playground. Yo, and double not, Dutch like, is so fun. <laughs> and like not wanting to like play sports and that he's kind of like, one day one of his friends is like, yo, just play football with us like one day and people will leave you alone. Um, so I feel like that entire like narrative is a lot more accessible because it's just about like gender expression. Once he's the part of the memoir that is like with him talking about him being older is so much about him being a black man that I don't think i should be That's the person to talk, to talk about, about it no i don't um, <laughs> i don't think that that is uh a, an area that you or i can relate to right so i will say that this is like a i really liked how this was like a memoir of a person's life who's he's I mean, he wrote it, obviously. Um, and he's still really young. Yeah, that's why... I was, so, like, a little shocked by. I looked into the author, and I was like, this person is, like, very... Is, like, a little bit older than us. Yeah, just, like, a handful of years. Um, I can't imagine writing a memoir of my life at this point, but also, like, I don't think my life has been that interesting, so... Well, here's the thing. We're both white kids who grew up in suburban yeah, New Jersey, so... exactly. I don't think we need another one of those books. Yeah, so I think this is, like, a really interesting resource for people, especially because it's written in a way that's accessible to younger kids. But I, I feel like we're only we're only allowed to talk about his gender. Oh, 100%, <laughs> because a lot of the other stuff, it's not our place to talk about. I think what we can talk about is the way the book is written. Um, I I think that especially with uh, kind of at the beginning when you're like told like, Hey, this book is going to have, um, I don't know how to word it. It's almost like sometimes being given a warning, like, Hey, I'm going to talk about heavy stuff. You go into a book and you're like, 
oh no, I'm going to be reading something that's going to be like really earth shattering and it's going to be difficult to read. Sometimes when you go into a book and you're given that warning for me, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be as like much of a like enjoyable read. I don't know how to just to say it. And it's less of something that you feel enticed to read because you want to like just surface level enjoy it, but it's something that you feel you should read because it has it has like a level of education from like a personal perspective of someone that you don't someone else's personal perspective. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think also something that um you was a Catholic school, right? For one year. Okay, sorry. So you kind of understand I went to Catholic school for a long time. That really hit home as well. Like a lot of the younger years I feel like definitely resonate with me. I feel like just a lot of the, the things like you had said that are like the, the younger years for him. Um, I feel like definitely resonate because I think most people can understand that stuff too. And also being in like Catholic school and like not wanting to like necessarily like listen to all the specific rules. Like when he, (laughs) When he's hello, Shadow. I'm so sorry, my cat just jumped up. Hello. Um no, when he wore I guess it was like a dress down day situation. I forgot the specific, but he wore like the base the uh, basketball headband. Yeah, he wore like a sweatband to school. <laughs> yeah. The teacher was like, No. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna wear it anyway. And they're like I love that. No. That was <laughs> like, me in yeah, I'm gonna do high school. It. <laughs> yeah, no, like I feel like so many of the like specific things in there. And also just like really going through uh, the level, the extent to which the author describes like him going through, I don't want to say going through the motions because that sounds bad, but like going through the motions of like discovering himself like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is such an important resource, especially because I feel like it's not really spoken about in that depth. What, What do you mean? So I feel like, I don't know how to, how to word this. The way that he describes, like, the the emotions of feeling like, oh, maybe I could be, you know, a woman. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's, oh, maybe I'm I'm just gay. Wait, no, I'm queer. Like, it's like the, the evolution of, like, understanding oneself. I feel like it's not, I don't yeah. think we have that many resources on that. In terms of, like, the books that we've read, I feel like out of the ones we've read, this might have, like, one of the most detailed, like, written experiences where, like, it go it starts off literally at a young age and then it ends with... How old was he when the book ended? Uh, graduating college, right? I think so. Um, it bounces back and forth a lot. Uh, did Shadow just do something silly or did I say she's something wrong? She's rubbing her face against the microphone. Oh, okay. She's just trying to let everyone know she's here. Um, I think that that was like something that I, I really liked about this book was the depth of like dis- discovery that's in it. I don't know how to word that any better. Well, like outside of a book that has like a specific intention to write like a full character's life, I think memoirs are like the few things that we get that do that where you start with usually I feel like the majority of memoirs that I've read Unless they're, like, about a specific, like, very, like, like a, unless they're about a specific period in a person's life, like, this is the 10 years that I did this or something, 
most memoirs I've read start off with like, this is my first memory of something. Cause it's like a really good jumping off point. If you're just writing a memoir of your life is to be like, okay, what's my first like really clear memory that can be linked to kind of the built in thesis of my life, I guess. So having the ability to have him reflect back on his childhood from where he is currently, who is like a out gay man who also like went through trauma and is now currently like an activist for the queer community. He's able to like look back at experiences he had when he was younger and like see the, uh, see how like his growth and those specific events like affected how he exists today. Yeah. You said that so much better than I was trying to say it. I'm, I don't, I'm trying I to get to, it together. I'm trying to make points. No, I, I didn't know how to word it because it, I think because it has such a full it, experience written down that I'm like, yes, I see like beginning a to point, you know, Z I felt like it was fully flushed out in a way that I was like, yes, this is like fully understandable. I, I've read a few memoirs in my life. I haven't read a lot of them, but I felt like this, like, even though for me, like when it goes back and forth between like, we're talking about this now, that's like the, the, that part of like the writing was interesting for me because I was like, Oh, we were, we were just here with your nanny at, uh, flea market shopping. Now we're here. Okay. But now we're, we're going back to the flea market shop. Okay. Interesting. Yes. I always have for me because I'm just like slow, a slow reader. Sometimes like the bouncing back to make a point to be like, this is what this meant here. But in this point it meant this. Like sometimes that was just confusing for me, but that's because I'm very easily confused. That's like how a person's brain works though, is like when you are like thinking of something, you think of like a specific memory and then like if something's happening, you'll go back to that memory because it's like comforting or or something will like trigger a thought and you kind of just like your brain just is constantly bouncing around through your experiences. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Um excellent. <laughs> truly. Um no, I uh I feel like a lot of the notes that I took are really just up, literally up to um, a lesson before dying. Is that what that chapter is called? Yeah. Um, all of my notes are right up to that. And then afterwards I was like, I can't, I can't take any more notes. I actually, I like wrote down a handful of quotes and then I wrote down some like things that it, like I was thinking about while I was reading that yes. I thought we might want to talk about trying to have a balance between acknowledging, um, that I'm a white person talking to you about a black man's memoir. Also understanding that it's important that every person of every race reads like marginalized groups, like memoirs and thoughts so that we can all have better understanding of those groups, but also without sounding like I'm trying really hard to prove that I'm a white person who's reading a book marginalized person's yes. book to be like look i read this book i can't I'm like cultured. i don't where's the line where i acknowledge that i know what i'm doing without sounding like i'm trying to get people to know that i'm acknowledging it this is terrible no it's difficult <sighs> and i think that's tricky I, that's the thing i think that i think that's like the most important uh thing that we can say in this so i wrote down like a handful of quotes i feel like there's a lot of this that um 
some of the because the way that the chapters are structured a lot of it is like here's like an introduction that's like kind of um like a basic intro of like a theory of the chapter and then there's like the majority of the chapters are taken up by personal experience that have to do with whatever he's trying to put forward and then there's usually like a little addendum where he like kind of re-explains the theory um and i feel like this was like somewhat some of the things were a little bit um obvious but that's also because i'm like a 29 year old reading it so like if i was like 15 and reading this i'd be like oh shit you're right which i feel like (laughs) this is like that's the those are the points in the book where i'm like yeah this is a memoir but it's a young adult memoir because like it's taking these experiences from a person and making it accessible for a younger audience I'm that younger audience. You're the younger audience. I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, like, one of the quotes that I have written down is when he was younger, we, like, mentioned it briefly, when he's younger, he, everyone calls him Matthew, even though technically his, like, name on his birth certificate is George Matthew, and he has, like, a crisis when he's seven because he finds out that his name is actually George and not Matthew, and he, like, doesn't know what to do with it, and his mom has, like, a really, like, beautiful conversation with him where she's like, well, what do you want to be called? You, I'm giving you the decision of, like, you can stay Matthew if you want, or we can start calling you George. But it has um, to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I think the thing that, at, in that situation, that's funniest to me, it's two kids who are fighting with each other, and oh, then yeah, the one kid's really like, funny. your first name isn't even Matthew, it's George. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> It's him and his cousin fighting, and they're just, like, saying, like, dumb shit to each other. And then he acts, and then he, like, is trying to one-up his cousin, and he says something like, well, you don't even get good grades, which is, like, a really, like, he, like, crosses the line with that, because he's, like, one of the only kids in his, like, uh, age group in his family that has, like, a really high GPA. He's, like, a little kid, but, like, he gets really good grades. He's really smart. Yeah, um... And so then he's like, well, your name isn't even Matthew. And it just, it like becomes this entire drama. Um, And I think that might've been one of my favorite chapters other than the cowboy boot chapter, which I, out of the chapters, like that's not as like important, but at the same time, it's like my cousins made fun of me for having cowboy boots instead of the cool sneakers that everyone else had at Disneyland. But if anyone else said anything, they would have beat someone's ass. I think that's I like, love that mentality. Right? I think it's just That's like, that South Jersey Philly coming out. <laughs> I'm the only one allowed to make fun of my family. That's literally like Yeah, you can't fucking yeah. say shit about them. But I'll make fun of them all day. No, and that's the thing like I feel like that is such a universal thing where it's like I can make fun of my little brother, if you make fun of my little brother, we might have an issue. It's just it's I I think the I don't want to say the world building, but like the, the descriptions of how supportive his family was and is still is, is just like, I think one of my favorite parts of this book, Mm -hmm. I think I wrote down that, uh, there needs to be more nannies in the world. She was, I think she was like, I, I can literally picture my next door neighbor's grandmother who is such a sweet woman. Um, and it just like, Literally, that's like when I was reading about her, I that's who I pictured. Cute. 
theory. I love her. I'm going to read a quote. Okay, so the end of the chapter, he talks about um, his name. I wrote I wrote part of this quote down, but I'm going to read like two paragraphs because it's really good. And then you can just get the book, guys, and read the rest of the book. Sorry, I'm like, I was like, oh, should oh, I, I start like, reading I at the beginning of this or paragraph? <laughs> or should I start reading the paragraph before? Because it's all good. Okay, Ooh, just, just hit me with it all. I'm just going to read the whole book. Ready, guys? This is the audio. We're book. ready. Okay. Um, so he's talking about possibly like changing his name and then like you have the ability to change your name and blah, blah, blah. The most important thing to realize is that you have the agency to make decisions that are in your best interest, the power to push back against society, and even those in your own home. It is unfortunate that we live in a world where owning your agency could be met with rejection, disrespect, and even violence, especially for those owning their queer identity from a young age. Suffice to say, respect people for their names and for how they choose to identify. This also goes for respecting people in their choice of pronouns, he, him, she, her, they, them, god, goddess, or whatever. We are conditioned to think that these things should be be the exception. People being allowed to be called by their chosen names and their gender pronoun is the rule. Let yourself unlearn everything you thought you knew about yourself and listen to what you need to know about those who navigate life outside the margins of the heterosexual box. I bet most of you never thought you even questioned if you like your name or questioned that there was something that you had the power to change if you didn't. I hope you will now. Yeah, that whole chapter is, I think, there are a lot of, I think, amazing chapters and amazingly written chapters. Um, I think just that, especially since it's, like, right at the beginning of the book, too, it, like, really, um, I think, is spectacular writing. And it really is, like, I, I think an actual, a, a fantastic question, like, hey, have you ever thought about this? I think that that chapter, too, is, like, one of the... Um one of the like branches that really like it goes through the whole book because he has like the uh the like inciting incident of him going through this kind of journey and equating it to like pronouns and like gender expression of him like learning his original name is also so tied to his family and then it goes back to like literally him like like a story he was told of him uh, about him like the day he was born and his mother and his grandmother are like fighting with his father over what to name him and that <laughs> try again. <laughs> yeah they're just like no try again that's not happening we're not, we're not calling naming. a child what was the name well he wanted to na- well, he wanted to name him like a junior after his uncle there i think there's a lot of okay so his grandfather's name was george washington johnson and then his uncle's name was George Stevenson Johnson. And he his older brother was already named, he was already a junior after his dad. So his dad tried to name him George Stevenson Jr. So he would be like a second of his uncle. And his mother and his grandmother were both like, no, 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 you're not doing that to this kid. Like There was a specific p- name that they were like, we're not calling a child this. Is it George? It's George. They don't want to call oh. a little boy George. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, honestly, that's... <laughs> There's no way in hell I'm calling a little baby George. <laughs> and then they pick like a name from the Bible, which, you know. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, it was really amazing reading that. Um, I, I like that that is like a thread that's carried through the book though, because there's, that is like, 
uh, part of his family dynamic and like the matriarchal uh, structure of his family. And then it also has like, I think a lot to do with like growing up in the nineties with like in a black family where like the majority of the, the matriarch of the family like grew up in like the fifties and sixties. And then uh it goes into like gender expression because he starts talking about like your ability to change your name as a way of like changing like how you are perceived in the world. And then it goes through to one of his cousins who he literally sees like as they grow up transition. And so then she changes her name when she's transitioned. And that's like a whole thing with the family. And I just thought it was like, it, it was a nice thread yeah, and I think um, the only I think the one thing I wasn't expecting with Hope was um, when Nanny was like, I, I think her first response to being like, "Hope, we're n- we're not calling anyone Hope," and, and then she was like, "Okay, it can happen if I make mistakes. Like, I apologize." It was like, I, I guess I wasn't expecting that at all for her. Because she was so accepting of so many other things. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I assume that is... that. I feel like so there's like some level of... There, I feel like there's like a level of acceptance that a lot of people will have for like queer people will they be like okay well accept it because it's not something that I like have to interact with daily and I don't have to like physically like see you like expressing your gender or like expressing your sexuality or something in a specific way but it's extreme it's like very different for people who transition because the majority of the time they will then change their legal name so it no longer becomes something that like a family member can passively interact with and then um like accept them but not really embrace them and if they're like no i'm changing my name and you have to like interact with me differently and change the way that we our relationship exists then it becomes like harder well, wow, you've literally taken everything I've said this episode and like, this is what you meant to say, because I'm smart and you're an idiot. I'm here to um, punch up your critique. <laughs> punch up your analysis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think because uh, a lot of the notes that I have are, sorry, I'm, <laughs> what do you, hello? No, like every every time we start, both start talking, we were like, I think... Hold on, and then you have to like take like gap. you have to like take like twenty seconds to organize your thoughts. Well, a lot of the notes that I have, like how I, I responded to the book, was a lot of the parts of like, like I said, I I know I keep talking about the stupid cowboy boots, but the cowboy boots related to me on such a specific level. And then like Brendan is a fashion bitch. <laughs> yes, and then like sneaking to watch real sex or queer as folk. Like I wrote, <laughs> sneaking to watch real sex plus queerish folk is hitting is hitting home. Like really, it really was because I I remember when like everyone was asleep, like watching those things on like HBO on demand. Yeah, I think every queer kid was like, well, yeah, after everyone to bed, or like when I had the internet to myself, 
This when is what I did. To <laughs> when the when I could use the family computer alone. When I could use the family computer in the den I watched. And then it would go on Neopets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neopets and real sex at the same time. Go on my live journal and read some blogs. No, I, I think uh especially because um maybe because I haven't admitted that like 90s nostalgia is like such a thing to me because I hate 90s nostalgia at the same time. Get out. I know I'm the worst, but like I was alive during the nineties. So like, I feel like a lot of the first 10 years of my life, I don't want to relive, but like hearing things like, Oh, I like, I was sneaking to do this thing. I'm like, Oh my God, me too. That's like a pleasant thing that I can think about. Yeah. You have like the nostalgia of a shared experience that I don't think like these kids who like really love the nineties that were born in like 2005 really understand. No, they're just there for the fashion, the aesthetic. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that like I hate about like '90s nostalgia is the fashion aesthetic because I didn't find '90s clothing to be that great. I live for it. You look great in it. It's not my jam, but at the same time, all I want to do is look like Kurt Cobain. So, like, you know, you have you're have serious '80s vibes. No, and I, I think that's why I'm like, ew, the '90s. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. No, you want to. You're just. Trying to be ducky and it's okay. We're going to let you do that. Yeah. And I think like really read, like reading someone like an adult who's our age that was like, Oh, this part of the nineties. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I definitely remember that. I definitely do remember the feeling of like in the nineties, like how acceptable queer people were like what point it was like, Oh, you're acceptable to this degree to me. And how I think the family was like ready to like protect him and also to like take care of him and make sure that he had people around him. Like the chapter where he's talking about how his mom's, uh, who's his godmother? Oh, I don't know. It's his, it's, um, she's a, a, a lesbian relative. I remember that. And I remember read, I forgot her name and I don't know why I'm forgetting it, but like the part where he's talking about her, he's like, oh, that definitely raised some eyebrows, but, like, maybe my mom was thinking ahead and being like, okay, guess what? Um, my my child is probably going to, like, turn up to be, like, a, like, queer or gay or any of the spectrum. Like, I should make sure that there are people in, in their life to, like, watch out for him. And it, it's... I just thought that like stuff like that is amazing. Cause like my godbrother is my oldest brother. So like it was always just like a specific family member. I think they ran out of people cause there were so many of the Coleman children, but too many, too many. I'm the, the best one. But I, I, I think the thing that I re- like really, all I really wanted to talk about is like how I, I wish that every kid had his family. You know, talk about it <laughs> i don't know i just i felt like the the level of like how his family like took care of him and like it's literally the same things i spoke about before where it's like you can make fun of like i can make fun of my family don't you dare say a thing about my family like i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll fight you and like how uh you know he said he didn't have many friends growing up uh, and his nanny always like took care of him, took him how to work, like taught him how to work the, like <laughs> the small business loan she gave him. 
of a hundred dollars for the candy. Yeah, like it's just like so much of this is just like it's I think nostalgic, but also like very sweet when it comes to his family. And like I think some of my favorite parts are him talking about his family specifically. And I guess those are like well, I guess like duh, of course, like my favorite parts of the book are the ones that are like, oh, this is much this is like cheery and happier. Yeah, you don't like the parts when we talked about trauma? <laughs> what? Yay. No, I love I mean, it. But, like, I think the thing that uh, I don't, I can't keep saying that I like the parts of this family. Like, I just can't do it. No, There's, you need to stop saying that. I'm sorry. I just really like them. <laughs> sorry. That's it. That's I the book. The, I did the thing. Go out and get this book, everyone. Um, I do have one thing that I wrote down because I was like thinking about it and I don't, you don't have to have an answer for this question because it's like, I'm going to bring it down. <laughs> I'm so Uh-oh. sorry. Okay. So there's like a good portion of the book where he talks about his cousin Hope, but then there's like a specific chapter where he talks about his experience seeing her transition and there is like a moment where there's like direct quotes that he is like reciting from conversations that happened like with family members. So I feel like that's fine. But there's also like parts of the that chapter where he uses Hope's dead name in the context oh, yeah, of like no, describing that, the transition. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how to feel about that. I think. Out of the pieces of the book, and I think I read this on, I was reading this on Adam, maybe from Adam Sass, where it's like, if, if there's a character in your book that has transitioned, like how, like, what are, like, how do you talk about them in specific ways? And I feel like including their dead name that I don't care to remember or think about, um, I, I feel like that was kind of not great, but also that's not, it's not my family member. I don't know like what they were okay with, but I also don't think that that was great. Right. I think this probably has like a little bit more, um, this is less egregious than ways I've seen it in other texts because this is like a memoir. It's not fiction. So they aren't like setting it up as a specific plot point to be like, Oh, twist. This person's actually a man, JK. And that's like really gross. Um, this is like his actual, like his memories and experiences growing up with his cousin. Um, but there was just like a handful of moments where it felt, odd because it wasn't in like the direct quote of a family member talking it was like in his describing them but i think you're right that like i don't know this person i didn't know them so i don't know what they would be comfortable with it just i it just it, it made me it like it like i wrote it down because i was thinking about it a lot while i was reading that section of the book is like how to talk about that kind of thing and i think it maybe will maybe would fall into the category of like it would have to be like a personal decision by the person on like what they would prefer and of of course in this specific you know 
time, like this specific character, this person, they, they aren't with us anymore. So they can't say yes or no to specific things. So I, I, I actually don't know how to respond to any question like that other than I felt strange about it. I don't know how else to say that. Um, no, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not expecting you to give me like a direct answer. I just wanted to talk about it. No, that was actually a good point to bring up. I just feel like I've seen a lot of discourse lately about that specifically in like fiction. Um, where yes. a lot of people have been talking about it with like characters. So I thought it was like something that it was interesting to talk about because this is like a real person that existed and like their real experiences. So no, and it's not, it's not from the perspective of the person who was transitioning. It's from the perspective of someone who's watching it happen. I think this specific instance was interesting because the first portion of the chapter where this is discussed, he is like very careful in the language he's using and he uses is using like non-gendered pronouns and talking about like this is who you were, not who you are. And it's very like conscious of that. And then it switches into like a direct quote. And then it's like it shifts and it's like in the f- actual text. I feel like there's like a point where their like dead name is used. And that's where I was kind of like, I don't know. I think that too, because um, we are looking at it from a, a, you know, a 2020 perspective of like, oh, well, what is the etiquette here? Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was. And I, I think you would agree with this. I don't think it was done in a malicious way. No, not at all. It's And it's definitely, like, different people have different sensitivities to things. And I feel like I'm, like, specifically at a point in my life where I'm, like, being, like, hypersensitive to a lot of stuff. Because I'm trying to be, like, really aware of, like, how I, like, the words I use to talk about things. So I'm just, like, really, like, focusing on that when I'm reading books a lot lately. So it's just something I'm like kind of analyzing. That definitely makes sense. I think, um, especially within our friends group too, we have many non-binary and I have, uh, I'm sure as you do, there are individuals within our friends groups that are trans. So we have had direct interactions and, you know, (laughs) in our adult years, especially younger too, um, where people have spoken to us about their desired pronouns and how they wish to be spoken to. But it's, again, it's different with everyone. And I think because we don't necessarily, we will never know how this person felt or wish to be called. But I completely understand what you're saying about the dead name being used because that is, you know, it's very specific. Yes. I'm sorry, did that make any sense? No, it did. I don't have a follow up for it. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> wow, I was smart for once. You did it. I did the smart. <laughs> I, that's like the last thing I wrote down because then I was just kind of reading from that point on. I think. It yeah. Starts- no, like I said, I had a specific cutoff point where I was like, I can't take notes anymore because it, 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 it just got to the point where I was like, I actually don't think I can stop and take like thoughtful notes. I think it's like a combination of the further into the memoir, the older he's getting literally. So his memories are like more vivid and poignant. And also his experiences are shifting because there's definitely a point in his life where he's old enough to like no longer be like a kid, but he's like 
now existing as like a black man in the world and a lot more of his experiences because then also when he when he's older and like in high school and college he's a lot more conscious of his sexuality and is like represses it a lot more it's no yeah. longer like oh i'm just like the funny cousin who like sometimes like toss talks like a little effeminately he's like oh if i am not masculine enough like i will be in danger which i think um all i think for me um as a queer person i i have felt that uh many times and i i don't think i'm necessarily feminine but i also know that people think that i'm excessively feminine it it really depends on who's talking to me but i i think reading that too is just like that specifically was like i definitely understand this because in certain situations especially for people who can't turn off who they are which is what a lot of this book is about he can't turn off uh who he is and he thought he thinks that there is a like he can and it's not necessarily a thing that's good for him um, and I think that's something that I, a lot of queer people realize, like, I can't hide this part of myself because it's not healthy. Yeah, there's, there. Be, I feel like there's like a breaking point for everyone where the balance of, am I in more danger by expressing myself or am I more in more danger by like repressing my emotions and like my actions and like, I'm not being physically harmed, but I'm like damaging myself mentally and like with if or when that shift happens no i I definitely agree with that i think um especially like i don't know how it was for you going into college um but i think going into college you become your own person i think you probably felt that way too i think everyone does um but you I think for a lot of people, when they go to college, they try to be like, okay, I'm a new person. Everything's different. I'm going to be my own person. And it's like, yeah, you, that definitely can happen. But like, you're, you're not going to be not able to take a lot of who you were as a teenager slash a kid with you into who you are as an adult. And I think that uh, the way that he talks about like, oh, this trauma definitely like, for me as an adult, I realized like, Oh, I wasn't going to swimming pools as often because I wasn't, I was like scared of being a pool slash around water because of my cousin almost drowning in front of me. Mm -hmm. I think it was also really interesting um, that I, I think is, I think like as queer people, we have like a, relatively universal experience with some things but like a lot of things are very divided based on like how you express yourself like how what aspect you consider like how you present your queerness to the world and the part of the world that you live in and like the support group that you have but I think like one thing that he touches on when he's talking about him like later in college um because he he starts to like accept his sexuality and be more out with his um, friends in college and stuff is that like all queer people basically go through like a second puberty because a lot of the time you are like, like, I mean, literally sometimes for like people who are transitioning, taking hormones are literally going through a second puberty, but you um, spent so much of your childhood and being a teenager 
being someone else, being someone else or trying to like hide an aspect of your life that once you finally feel like comfortable expressing yourself in the way that you've like always wanted to, then you just like, okay, well I'm starting from where I left off. So we're 15 again. Here we go. No, I think a lot of people, I think, um, especially lately, I feel like that's been something I've been seeing on Instagram is that like heterosexual people don't understand that they get to flip through life as a specific person. Whereas like people in the queer community, you know, I came out when I was, Oh my God, I want to say like 14. So like I was relearning myself as I was a teenager. Whereas like he came out to his mom when he was 25, I think. It was either 25 or, oh, because I'm mixing up the part where, like, on his 21st birthday, his father was in the hospital. Yeah. Mixing up those two things. Um, but I believe he came out when he was 25. And as a per like, I came out literally, I guess, like, 10 years previously to that. I I can't imagine how many forced mannerisms I would have, like, adopted if I hadn't come out when I did. Because you, you literally have to relearn yourself. And if you're an adult, like, is is it more difficult to unlearn the bad behaviors you have picked up for extended periods of time because you were doing things out of fear. Like, yeah, I think the, yeah, I think that applies a lot to, um, prejudices and stuff that were like put upon ourselves as well as, especially if you're, you grow up in a more conservative environment or anything like that. And you, feel like you have to hide yourself because you like are taught that it's wrong and then you like hit a point where you finally accept yourself maybe but like that doesn't mean that you're accepting of other people no that's that's very that's very true i i think our households are very different in terms of like i feel like your family i jokingly call them hippies but no they're fucking hippies are you kidding me i don't want to say that and offend your parents my dad went to fucking Woodstock. They're hippies. Oh, that oh he didn't cool. go to Woodstock. He tried to go to Woodstock and he got stuck in traffic. I. Excuse me? <laughs> That's a true story. Oh my God, I love that. No, like, I, you know, like I said, I went to Catholic school. My entire family went to Catholic school. Um, my mom has taught me specifically what kind of like China is supposed to be used when like my mom is a very conservative woman. No, I, I mean, I, lo- I love your mom. Your dad's cool too. I just like haven't hung out with him as much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think as like open and accepting your family is like, yeah, you all went to Catholic school that you're relatively conservative. And like a, a lot of your family members have been in the military and like, Right? Like, that is kind of the environment. That's the exact environment I grew up in terms of, like, the way that my interaction with masculinity is directly at odds with my father's idea of masculinity. But he's never been mean about it to me as an adult. I don't think he really was as a child either. But I think also Frankie is exploring like what it is for him, like what it means to be a man to him. And he likes wearing, you know, fake beret clips with flowers in them to keep his hair out of his eyes. Yes. And it sets my dad off, but he, he knows he, it, this is an adult person sitting in front of him. He can no longer say to him like, well, in this house, like, no, I, I think my parents have come a, 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 a very vast way from where they were. 
but I don't think I call them conservative. And I, I think they are, they're not as conservative as like families that I have met. I think they're conservative by like nineties standards, but like we have, we have such a dichotomy between like conservative and liberal values now that it's like, can't compare to like what is currently happening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think, uh, like my, my family's not a person or like my parents aren't the kind of people that are like, Oh, you can be gay, but you can't date outside your race. Like that has never been a thing that like, my parents have ever expressed to me. And I like, I can't imagine that. And I, I know people's families that are like that. Like I know there are certain friends groups that like they have dated people that they could not bring home because of how conservative their parents are. Yeah. I think also, which is just them being racist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think also like, parents learn a lot from their kids because like as much as as much as like I feel like I've I'm learning from younger generations because like we've learned from it's like each wave of a generation not only like starts off where the other generation has left off they have like their building blocks they start higher and then they continue to grow so like as far as like acceptance for like gender identity and sexuality and like all these different facets of like people that exist we are growing so much so i feel like parents see like the world grow through their kid and they experience like they will experience the society a second time through their kids because they're not just like oh this is how I grew up and this is what I learned when I was a kid you're not like watching your kid go to school and watching them experience things and learn things that way yeah definitely and I think I think the one thing that was so amazing for like me to just witness is my brother's partner is non-binary and my mom is always making sure that she is using Craig's pronouns correctly And it's not something that I thought would be a safe conversation to ever have with my family. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, But like seeing that is just like, Oh my God, I wish there were people in the world that could have parents that are trying to be as accepting as possible. Wouldn't that be nice if everyone was just accepting? No. And it's fucking. Yeah. Well, no, but there's, it's definitely, I feel like as, I mean, this is, it's not one of those things that's like, oh, this is new. It's always existed, but we have different, we have different language for it now. We have, it's like a more, it's wider in the scope of like, uh, culture. So it's like, it feels like it's new to a lot of people who, who haven't spent like a significant amount of time in like the subculture. No, you're definitely right. I think, um, I, I don't know how we got this far away from the book, but also at the same time, like it's still related to the book. So I don't know how to it's add to that. Related. What? It's all related. It, it is literally all related. It's, it's all the same string. <laughs> what is joy just getting home? No, she, she got home like a minute ago. She just walked past my room and like struck a pose as she was walking past. I'm trying Thank to like God. be intelligent and make points. No, about it's culture. Okay. She's like if walking around in her underwear. In front of you normally, you can do it. I can do it. Um, No, but I think there is an interesting thing that's happening with um, like specifically like non-binary stuff where people who are possibly have been accepting of like queer culture are now like 
oh, there's a new thing I got to know about. Like, it's just oh my like God, this when weird... I hear people our age be like, oh, well, that's just... And I'm like, don't finish that statement. Please it's just don't. this... It's like this weird, like, internal, like... Uh, threshold people have put upon themselves where they're just like, well, I already, I already learned how to be tolerant of like lesbians. You got to make me like memorize pronouns now. It's just like you have to call okay. people by the, the by the names they want to be called. You have to respect people. <laughs> oh God, I'm just gonna go home. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I don't understand the difficulty. I just really think that it's like it people are so set in their ways and like to i don't know why because i don't understand it because i if someone's if someone comes up to me and says hey you need to call me like jimmy two shoes from now on i'd be like yeah that's your fucking name now sick well you've also never said to me even though my dad has said this to me obviously you're the same person um like why don't yeah why i don't use my actual last name for things You've never questioned me using Patrick as my it's last your name. Stage name. I- yeah, truly. And I, it's not like uh, that's just like you know. Whereas, like in high school, it's like going to like what's written on the like birth certificate specifically for the author of the book. Like him saying, like, "Well, I went from being called like Matthew at home, and then going to school, and it's George." And like people are like freaking out. It's like, well, that's my name. Yeah, I can't think of any time in any class that I've been in where I haven't had like a new teacher where they were like, "Okay, roll call, and if you have any like nicknames or an alternative, you have any name, adjustments, you tell them." Yeah, let me know and I'll write it down. So like next time I do roll call, I'll know what name you prefer. Like I don't think I've ever had an experience where it's like, "No, this is the name you're registered to the school as. That's what I'm calling you." And I remember because of the way that like my I guess my te- my whatever my name came up for attendance. Teachers used to read my middle name as my first name, and some teachers would be like, no, that doesn't sound right, and call me by my actual name, which is Brendan Patrick, and then my last name. But, like, I had teachers that would be like, Patrick, Brendan. I'm like, yes, that's me. Patrick. Gross. I don't like it. I'm going to call you Pat. Ugh. That's my uncle's name. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I think we're like going off the yeah, rails. We, we we truly went off the rails. Um I the one thing that I know I try to talk about this every episode, the album artwork, if you will, the artwork of the book. The album artwork. <laughs> the album artwork. The, the album artwork for Chromatica is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the album artwork for All Boys Are Blue. Um really beautiful. I also want um, birds of paradise in my hair. I'm assuming I'm a sucker birds of for a for a, a, a artistic art cover, art yeah, cover, <laughs> an artistic art cover. I'm a sucker for <laughs> any book cover that is extremely like visual. And this, I can like feel the texture of the paint in the portrait, and it's just like very satisfying. Yeah, literally, this book is so beautiful. Um, and it just like the color, like the color of it. Um, if I hadn't had it on my list of books to read, I would probably have picked it up based on just the book itself. Jacket illustration by Charlie Palmer. Also, the one thing that I did want to talk about too, I think my favorite thing in memoirs or just in books in general is when they include photos. 
I know that sounds oh, yeah. like I'm a two year old oh, <laughs> liking like, pictures and books. I like the especially the in memoirs specifically, especially if they um this did a really good job of like the chapters where he's talking about when he's younger, the pictures are of him and his cousins younger, and then he's like a little older. There's like a picture of him and his fraternity in college when that when he's talking about that. It gives you a really good like frame of reference for like the transition of the timeline. No, and I, I think that is something that's very thoughtful to a book because I think it adds immense character to it too. And I think it sets it apart from different memoirs in general. Um, I just really love seeing stuff like that in books. I think it, for me, makes it so enjoyable to read because I'm like, Oh, I see that like on this page, there's something different. And like the, I just turned to the fraternity page. Now the gamma chapter of alpha phi alpha pi is it phi or pi? P-H-I. That's phi. Okay, so I was, re- I was reading it right. I went to pi art school. We didn't P-I. have those things. Yeah, we didn't have fraternities or sororities at my school either. What was the name of your school originally before the name was changed? Viva College. Yeah, okay. We had to change it because it kept because directing people. people. like me? No, <laughs> because it kept directing people to pawn sites. Wait, really? I don't know. That was a rumor, but I believe it. Honestly, I just... Literally seeing these photos and then like seeing the author at the end of the book, like it, it, their, you know, the author photo. I, I think that this book is really put together in a really amazing way. I like the format. I know that's weird to like comment on, but it, if it's in a book, I would like to talk about it. And I think I always like when books have like, if it's say like a fantasy book, there's like a map of the world. Oh, I saw. This is a tangent, so whatever, but I there was a reductress article the other day that was like, oh boy, opening of book has family tree in it. Yeah, I mean I guess I'm the person that's like, put a family tree in there. Um Yeah, no, I like I like the setup of this break it's like breaks the sections of the book into specific parts of his life through pictures. And you know, you know, I love photographs. It's just who I am. I like to look at the pictures. I Truly, I felt like I sounded like a two-year-old when I was like, oh, pictures in a book. <laughs> you did, but that's okay. I just like photographs. Just look at this photograph. Look at this graph. Anyway, I think we need to be done now because we're talking about my vines. Uh, I'm so <laughs> because sleepy. Because it's 10.55. It's 10.55 yeah. and I have to go catch some shooting stars. Um, I have to come over and do that. All right, so you're going to come over to my island, we're going to catch shooting stars. Yes. Um, and the summary of the episode is, I like this book. I think it gave me a lot to think about, and it gave me a lot to process. And I think it's really, I really like that it's geared towards a younger audience, because I think it would be really something that would be important to read, especially for, like, younger queer kids and younger, like, queer black kids. Yeah, I think this book is... Uh a great resource as well, especially because of the things you just said. Um, and I, I think it was enjoyable to read. Obviously there are parts that are hard to process, but it it really, I think, uh, was a great memoir to read. I, <laughs> I want to know if there's a follow-up. <laughs> you want to read about the last eight years of his life? I, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Maybe he's working on it. He, he's, he just seems like a really interesting person. So I, I, I would be interested in reading their other work, especially since it sounds like 
there is queer representation in it. I'm always here for the queers. <laughs> Truly. Um, but uh, I definitely think people should go out and buy this book. It's It was... A, it was... I don't want to say a difficult read, but it it made me think. Yeah, so go and read the fun space gaze where they just go through a romp through space um, or one of the other like cute romance books. And then when you want to have a little bit of a think that we've read. Yeah. When you have a little bit of a think, read this memoir. It's always good. I, as much as I love fiction, it's definitely my preferred genre is like fiction, sci-fi, but sometimes it's good to read something that's like grounded in reality. Yeah, and I think also it again it I think it keeps you aware of just things in general, people's different perspectives. Um and it it was just in general a really good read. An excellent representation of South Jersey. <laughs> yes. Listen, I was very excited when you started talking about playing field. It's so weird because I feel like we never get books written about people from New Jersey, just in general. And to see it, like the amount of representation in this book is really, you know, chef's kiss. I really identified with him. Um, But uh, I guess, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I am. um, Oh, okay. One more thing. Is it that you can't swim in cowboy boots is an amazing title. No, but that's correct. <laughs> Continue. Um, no, I have a final thought that I'll leave you with him. I also wrote it down because it made me smile. But there is like a part of the book where he's talking about um, like the quintessential advice that is always passed down from two like young queer kids is it gets better. And he goes, no, oh my God, yes, make it better. Yeah, and it really made me happy <laughs> because it's like, oh yeah, we tell these young queer kids like, oh don't worry, it gets better. Okay, how? Like li- literally, and it literally made me go, oh my god, you're so right. I'm the I'm so I get so frustrated when people are complaining about stuff or when things are going wrong and it's just like stagnant and frozen and you can't do anything. And I'm the person that's like. Here's the game plan, guys. Let's go. So I leave you with that. Make it better. Make it better. Don't just say it's going to be better. Just make it better. Yeah. Um, so the book that we were just talking about is called All Boys Aren't Blue. It's a memoir manifesto by George M. Johnson. And it was a superb read. And you need to go out and get it. And you've been listening to this super lit podcast. And my name is Brendan Patrick. And we got Sophie G here. And uh, thanks for listening to the Superman podcast. Outro music. I was about to say, fucking do it. <laughs> Can you hear Joy singing American Pie in the shower right now? <laughs> Let me hear it. Sounds like I have a lot of wind. It's probably the shower sound that's, but she's singing American Pie in the shower right now. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so happy for her. 